1: Hey, I'm Joe Connolly. You're about to meet Cindy Bigelow of Bigelow Tees, who I have known for a long time to be very active in helping women advance in business. She's known across her home state of Connecticut for being so generous with supporting Charities and their auctions and fundraisers, and she also serves on the Connecticut Governor's Committee on how to bring jobs back to Connecticut. Producer Neilay Caruso will join us in this discussion too. Cindy, what trends from the pandemic do you think are going to be permanent?
2: Well, first in of all, hello, and and thank you for letting me be part of your conversation today. Um, Good to see you again, Cindy. Uh, Very nice to see both of you. um, I'll say there are definite (laughs) fallouts and long legs from COVID. Um, From a product perspective, what I say is that Bigelow is very fortunate because tea has really become a beverage of, of choice during this difficult time because it kind of represents community and comfort and so I think that is going to be one of the what I call COVID positives, where people are really going to continue, I think, to drink tea at, uh, at really a, um, a higher level than they have been doing positive because they've really sort of seen the benefits both from a health perspective and a you know and a, and a relaxation perspective. So from that element, I think that we are fortunate that we will be what I call a COVID positive as a product line. From a business perspective. You know, I think people for the last year have been using Zoom and not having to get on a plane for an hour meeting. I look forward to the time we are getting back on planes and having meetings and I can visit the plants more regularly. But I do think that Zoom and having meetings like that will be with us to stay. And I also hope that one of the fallouts is that we recognize how important culture is. I know right now there's a huge movement where people have to stay home or work at home from a safe perspective. And businesses are now saying, hey, you can work wherever you want. But I'm hearing from a lot of leaders about the, the impact on culture, the impact on collaboration. And I'm really hoping that when this is over, um, hopefully sooner or later, people recognize that culture collaboration are a key part of working together and that working together is critical.
1: Are you Um, hearing then that people are starting to say they're starting to lose some collaboration, that it's a negative impact starting to set in?
2: Yes, I've definitely talked to multiple CEOs that have really recognized the value of having each other near each other in a way that all of a sudden you can have an impromptu meeting or you can include someone into a meeting that you weren't planning on it or all of a sudden ideas generated and how do you really bounce it off some people in a less structured zoom meeting after zoom meeting after zoom meeting um, and so i'm definitely hearing from ceos they really are seeing the impact of that it's i think when you sit in this seat you know you have a hopefully you have a broad perspective of the whole business and how it works together and um, there is just no question that um, when my team is actually in contact close enough that you know we're working in the same building together, it's, it's a different environment, a different vibe, a different energy feel. Uh, it's really what makes Bigelow Bigelow, and I'm hearing the same thing from many other CEOs.
1: Will you and the others, do you think, go with a hybrid of letting employees work from home sometimes because they have started to like doing that sometimes?
2: Yeah, I hear you on that. And that's, of course, a very valid question. Um, For Bigelow, we have 400 employees altogether, 300 of them in manufacturing and 300 of them don't have a choice. They have to come in every day. We have to create a safe environment because they're on a manufacturing floor. So what's that proximity look like? How do we keep them safe Uh, and how do we make them feel comfortable? Uh, Then you have uh, the leadership team, which I've always said from day one, if the plants are here, we're here as well. I've had, I have R&D teams that also have to be here every single day. Um, So for me, I try to explain to the team that this is going to be an organization that's five days a week in, as long as it's safe from a code perspective, and it's allowed, this is an organization where you will work here five days a week. But we've also built in flexibility for many years, not because of COVID. So it's a family organization. So if you want to you know, do a uh, teach art in the classroom every Wednesday for two hours. We definitely give you room for that or coming in late certain days or leaving early for coaching. Those are the ways that we introduce flexibility. And that's most likely, Joe, the way that we're going to continue to offer a flexible schedule.
0: Neil, have you come up with a system, Cindy, that doesn't hurt productivity? Because I remember talking to you 11 months ago that you really, your main challenge was allowing people to work there and be safe but are you doing that without hurting productivity at bigelow
2: well um i have to say that the manufacturing uh people at bigelow have really been my superheroes they really have done whatever it is take whatever it takes because the demand has gone up so substantially and so the good news is they feel safe they they're very appreciative of the job and the bonus and the benefits But also the fact that uh, all the extra cleaning and the distancing and the um, flexible shifts starting and ending so that they are feeling safe, they are coming in and we are able to continue to meet our customer demands. We were actually uh, very much um, getting some very positive remarks from our customers, how we were able to maintain a 99 percent fill rate with our customers during a very difficult time. And that is 100 percent the plant personnel.
0: And Cindy, aside from being a major manufacturer, you also have a very impressive and engaging marketing. Um, have you done anything differently in the last year that is, you know, reactive to a change in consumer behavior?
2: Well, what I try to tell my team is that we need to be sensitive. Um, especially with our social media. You know, if there's things that are taking place or tragedies that are happening in our country, let's not just go forward with a regular social media ad or tweet or Instagram. Let's be sensitive to the environment. Um, And fortunately, uh, I think things have really calmed down from that perspective. So we are able to move forward with our standard marketing. But what I always say about tea is what I said at the beginning. Tea really represents comfort, community, and wellness. So even during the worst of times, when we're out there sharing a positive message about a cup of tea, um, it's really resonated well. But we're very sensitive to what is taking place in the environment before we just move forward on our advertising.
1: Cindy, how much are sales up and how much are online sales up?
2: Oh, I don't even know from an online perspective, those numbers are so large. Uh, Some of our businesses online are up 100%. So online, as you know, I mean, recently I was uh, talking to um, some wonderful uh, partners of ours with Amazon And, you know, I said, you know, you guys, you've been able to really provide people who are concerned about leaving their house the ability to get product in in a way that they feel safe, as well as all of our partners from an e-commerce perspective. And that's what people are looking for right now. They want to be able to go online, get their product, stay safe at home. Um, So that business is up uh, significantly from the other channels. You have to remember a large portion of our business is away from home. And what is away from home? Restaurants offices, um, universities. So that business in March really um, ground to a halt, almost zero. That has come back some, but because such a large uh, percentage of our business, even though our other channels are up 30, 40, 50, 60% some of our channels, um, that's a high hurdle to get over. So our business is up about 6%. Um, but that's, that's fantastic given what our, 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 last year was and how that was an exponential growth for us as an organization in the 20 percentile, which is a huge number for a 75 year old business. But we're also proud because we've been able to, as an organization grow, given that one of our healthiest, usually our healthiest and growing channels is at this time is not, not as healthy as we want it to be.
1: That's interesting, and that's starting to come out. I was talking to the owner of a pretty large commercial paving business yesterday, and I said, how's business? And he goes, well, and I I thought he was going to say it's great because all these home sales are happening and people are investing in the home and driveways and everything. But that was me thinking as a homeowner. He said our commercial big business doing parking lots for Walmarts has stopped completely. And he said that business is barely up. So that's starting to sink in that just because somebody's online sales are up a hundred percent doesn't mean the business is necessarily up. Yeah. Well, Neil I think you
2: guys both recognize this. I know that um, obviously Wall Street is booming, you know you hear a lot about it you read about it what about main street don't you want your your child to be able to have you know work at the the pizza shop down the street when you know during their summers and and being able to work at a, a shoe store you know like main street we need main street so you know i'm very sensitive to that and I hope people are aware of it. Um, it's really important that we're thinking about everyone and not just the COVID-positive sectors. There are very many COVID-positive sectors, but just as many COVID-positive are organizations that have been shuttered because of COVID.
0: So how would you suggest that they pivot? I mean, what, what have you learned over the last 11 months that maybe is changing the way that you're selling?
2: Well, um, You know, for us, we're very fortunate. We had done a lot of things in advance of COVID. Obviously none of us knew this was gonna happen, that were positioning us to be prepared for that significant growth in the online. We had geared our organization uh, in that way, so that as that area was growing, we were aligned with that. So that was very um, positive for us because when it exploded, our organization had done a lot of work from an operational perspective to be prepared for that. We also had long-term relationships with our vendors so that when the demand went up substantially and we had things being air freighted in and any way we could get it, you know, they were also big fans of supporting us given all of our years with them. So, I do say that we were fortunate from that perspective. At the same time with your question, what do people need to do to pivot? You know, you see a lot of organizations that they were supplying something that wasn't needed now, but if they tweaked their production lines, they could now provide something that was needed during COVID. I think you, you really do need to be challenging yourself. If you are not going to be in a situation that's COVID positive, how do you put yourself? And that answer is different for every business, but you need to be asking that early on. For us, it was more, what do we need to do to stay open during COVID? Because we saw what happened to the demand instantaneously. We saw what happened from a food service uh, away from home business. Uh, But we recognized we needed to shift the entire organization based on safety and significant increase in input.
1: Cindy, I was looking at your website. I counted 22 flavors, 15 types of tea, 15 tea tips, and there's so many products on there. How do you know when a new product is going to take off or won't, and you won't, and you'll drop it?
2: Well, that's a great question. We actually have, Joe, like 150 Ts.
1: <laughs> um, it did say oh, all, yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: and people love to say to me, what's your favorite? I said, how can yeah. I pick a favorite out of 150 yeah. children? Yeah. That's not possible. <laughs> um, but for us, it really is, and that's a great question, and that's really keeping our fingers on the pulse of what's happening from a consumer preference. And it doesn't have to be, Joe, in the world of tea. Where, are the, where is the consumer going in other categories that you really see are, are starting to carry some weight? And then how do you apply that into the world of tea? So we've been very fortunate. All of our launches over the last five years have been very, very successful. Um, we were the one that really introduced probiotic into tea, and that has exploded. Uh, our ginger, turmeric teas have exploded. Uh, as well as what I call our our signature teas, our Earl Grey, our Constant Common, our Cozy chamomile So we've always maintained the quality of those. For example, our Earl Grey, number one in the United States of America, that's an organic oil of bergamot from Calabria, Italy. We've never compromised on that. No matter what happens to the price, that is the oil that we use. So both our signature standards are doing well, but then also identifying those trends that you're talking about and uh, we've been very fortunate. We have really had some amazing successes. Do you bring
1: people together to sample a new tea or have you been doing this long enough now that you have a pretty good idea?
2: Well, we do it internally. So we do bring a right. lot of people in, but it's an internal thing. Right. Uh, and I always love to say the meanest taste bud wins, which is a funny terminology. <laughs> does that, what does that mean? The meanest taste bud wins means that it the room cannot sell another person on their thoughts. They can share what their thoughts are, but if we're creating a product and someone says, you know, I just, I'm not getting enough peach. It's not peach forward and blah, 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 blah. We're not going to talk that person into it. The meanest taste bud is the one that we're going to listen to because what we've learned over the years is everyone's tastes are very different and very discerning. So Neil and Joe, if I were to have you both drink a cup of tea, you're going to have a different perspective of that cup. I need to hear from both of you. Um, so I always said the meanest taste bud wins. So that's why our products are always so delicious because if we can make the meanest person in the room happy. We know we've got a success.
0: So you're wow. taking your constructive criticism and turning that into product development there.
2: Oh, always my team makes fun of me. You know, we'll be looking at a chart and all these great numbers and there'll be one number in red, one negative. And I go, wait, whoa, let's talk about that one first. And like, Cindy, why do you always do that? I said, because you guys are doing a great job. I just need to identify where we can do better.
1: I just want to know what that means. Does that mean that if somebody says this isn't peachy enough, that you will then go back and 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 increase the peachiness if just one person says it's not peachy enough?
2: Yeah, we will listen to absolutely everybody. And uh, if we have someone that is really concerned, you know, I'm not getting enough flavor, you know, we'll hear that and, you know, we'll drink it again. And we we kind of try to really go to where that mindset is and say, yeah, I think, you know, you're right. We need to be a little more peach forward. Can we increase that? Can we lower this? How do we bring that out without masking, let's say, the ginger? If you increase the ginger, you're going to lose the peach taste. So believe it or not, there is quite a formula for that little cup of tea that you guys drink.
1: And that's a great way for any business owner to reduce the chamber echo chamber of yes men, quote yes men. Uh
2: Totally. I, I, I love this story. I share it. We um, were launching a new uh, series of teas. We had five teas we were going to be launching. Four of them we had all agreed on. We love it. The fifth one, we, I don't know, maybe 16 tries. We still couldn't find a formula that we liked. And so I went down for the 16th time to drink this product. And my head, my vice president sales and marketing looked at me and he goes, you know, Cindy, we just can't make this one work. Let's drop this flavor. And I went. Meanwhile, we had packaging. You know, we had really brought it out to the market that we were going to be launching it. And we... I said, I'm not going to argue with you. I agree. Drop it. So we just took that one right out of the, the 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 basket.
0: Wow. So when do you know when to drop a product? And then on the flip side, when something's doing well, how do you throw gasoline on the fire to boost sales even more?
2: Well, that's a great question. So some of our teas are doing so well that we're actually not putting any gasoline on them because they're breaking the bank, trying <laughs> to produce them. Um, but some of the other ones, you know, we really do, we, 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 we really do spend time on the lower uh, sale items before we we drop them, and we'll see if there's a strategic value. For example, there's one product that you know is just our one one of our favorite customers, HEB. They're the only ones that buy it. It's a small volume, but it's a strategic item for them, and they need it. So we'll keep an item like that. So every item has its own personality and its reason for being raison d'être, as my father likes to say, and we will. know we'll make the decisions based on that but you know we do discontinue probably five a year four or five a year and then we hear from those customers and then what we'll sometimes do is if we really hear from those customers we will bring it back and we'll sell it online only so for example American breakfast loved the product it had a very passionate following it wasn't able to make it on the grocery shelves we took it down customers went no way so it's now online and it's one of our biggest sellers online
1: Hmm. Interesting. Neil, one more quick question. Then I have two more quick questions for Cindy. This is wonderful. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah, no, I I find
0: this fascinating and especially, you know, where things are working online, because I think everything has to be in e-commerce business now. And and so I guess for you, what is the trick to selling online? Because it's not easy. I mean, it's, I think it must be a little bit easier when it's, in front of someone's eyes, but online has a different has a different feel. So, what's the you're, trick?
2: You're so right on that. I call that the digital shelf, right? Like, you know, you don't get to walk into your favorite grocery store and see Bigelow tea and then pick which one you want, right? What? Exactly. How do you get in front of that? And so, it's very important that you you build out each page for each product with as much as you can, both from a visual visual perspective. Um, so and and a verbal perspective so that you have to make that product come alive so we have a team of individuals that literally work on the different places that we are on the web to examine every single page to make sure that page is maximized and that is your shelf um and then working with the customer we can't afford it you know listen guys all we do is tea our competitors are billions of dollars We are not, we don't have all the money in the world. And we have to explain that because sometimes the money's going to win, right? They have a lot more money that they can pay to make sure their item shows up first. So the only way we can do it is if we sell better, because they also want the ones that sell better. So we have to make sure our digital shelf looks really good. And then where we can, we try to spend our money judiciously so that we can make sure that we are still creating that flywheel where the customers start to really get to know us online.
1: Cindy, are you going to advertise on Major League Baseball again this season?
2: Absolutely. absolutely. Why do you do that? You know, that's such a great question. We started it years ago with my vice president in sales of marketing at that time, Bob Kelly, who still works with us all the time. And he just really felt like there's such passion for baseball, such passion. And there's such passion for tea uh and at that time you know joe tory uh was an avid bigelow tea drinker and so we started that connection so many years ago and it's really resonated with people it's resonated with the radio announcers their tea drinkers for their throat because they're on the radio all the time and we just sort of found this amazing symbiotic relationship between baseball and bigelow
0: howie, yeah, <laughs> howie, lo- howie
1: rose loves it i know he's
2: amazing isn't he we <laughs> love him
1: he <laughs> <laughs> have been in his broadcast booth, and he has a big box of tea. Sure, us his, his tea bags. Tea. Yeah. Really
2: did. I yeah. just hung up a big picture of Howie and I testing tea here.
1: <laughs> and Cindy, what would be a tea that you would recommend to somebody who is all coffeeed out and has been for years, and they're drinking Jolt or Power Up or some hyperactive <laughs> beverage? What's a good pers- What's a good tea for a person uh, to try that'll still have a little bit of a bite or a buzz to it?
2: Well, um, it's funny. I just mentioned American Breakfast. Hmm. Um, you can only get that online. But that's a beautiful black tea. It's a strong black tea. So if you're trying to get from a little less coffee, but you still want to kind of keep that experience, American Breakfast is fantastic. Um, or, again... Uh, an English tea time or an Earl Grey, a stronger black tea with a bold flavor, which also is going to carry the caffeine, not the caffeine content of a cup of coffee. But what you need to know about tea is tea is something called L-theanine in it, not herbal tea, black tea and green tea, L-theanine. L-theanine binds with the caffeine in a way that you rise up more gently and then you stay at that high level much longer. That's why they love it for studying. And then you have a gentle decline. The caffeine in coffee doesn't have the L to bind to. So you have that spike up and then you have that spike down. So tea is a lovely way to kind of keep that high energy, but for a longer, more consistent amount of time.
1: Wow. You did not, did
2: ya? didn't know, <laughs> did you? didn't know that. There's
1: like you're different. conducting the orchestra there, friends, <laughs> you have just experienced the wisdom and business experience of three generations in the Bigelow family tea business. Cindy, it's great to talk to you. Thank you. Happy spring.
2: Thank you for including me.
1: Thanks, Cindy. This is always fun.
0: Thanks. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one.